great to have you with us this morning. My name's Dan. I'm part of the leadership team here. And especially if you're um, visiting, you're a guest, you're, you're especially welcome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Just to say that um, the, uh, in your, if you are signed up to our e-news, which goes out on a Sunday afternoon, you'll see a link on there which will take you through to uh, just something you can pray for each day of this week when it comes to Prisons Week. That will help uh, guide your prayers. So do click onto that uh, as that link comes through. Um, if you're not on that e-news, do go onto the website. You can uh, sign up to get those weekly uh, e-newses. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege to uh, be in Birmingham. Um, so some of you will be aware we've been running some church planning training on Zoom for our family of churches, regions beyond. And we've been, uh, it's really strange, we've been doing this for for about seven months, um, and we were in a room together for the first time. So we're from all over the UK, <coughs> and we gathered. I think there's a picture that's going to pop up here um, in a moment, hopefully. Uh, and this is us in Birmingham. We had our day of church planting, and so we gathered about uh, 30 people. We've had about 40 on the train, about 30 were in this room, where we just gathered. We had some uh, great teaching from uh, Rodney Hagar from our family of churches for uh, Simon Turner, and they just stared us afresh as we look at what does it mean for us to be a church planting movement. So we've been training these people basically... <clears throat> This group of people you see on this picture are people who are just say either involved in church planting already or are saying we really want to be involved in church planting but we don't know where or when and so we've just been trying to equip them. Uh, we're going to continue on Zoom but it was a great time to be together. Uh, I went down on Friday and got to go and uh, see Steve and Joe and go and see their new house and um, they've got to know all their neighbours everybody in their community, unsurprisingly. And, um, and there's this little, um, there's a group of kids who basically have a youth group that meet pretty much every night after school on Steve's driveway. So he is getting to know the local community. He does send his love. It was great to spend some time with them. Here at Jubilee, uh, we are looking at a series called He Is. We're exploring the, the character of God. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that God is unchanging. We've seen how God is holy. Um, and we're looking at who God is because what we believe about God truly matters. If we believe, for example, that God is an angry God, then that is waiting to punish us, then that will affect how we approach him when we get things wrong. Um, if we believe that God is a loving God, that will change how we approach him in those moments as well. The fact is that how we view God will shape how we live. More than a set of beliefs, more than vision and values, more than what it says on our website, what you think about God will change every aspect of your life. Even if you don't believe in God today, your belief or lack of belief will affect how you live. Both individually, it will affect you. As a society, it will affect us. And as a church, it will affect us. And today we're going to be looking at how God is creator. I wonder how you think that the world came into being. The, the Bible teaches that in the beginning there was God. He was there in the beginning. He was the creator of all things. Genesis 1 and 2 in the Old Testament, the first pages you would turn to if you opened your Bible, is about the story of God the creator. Genesis 1 starts by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It then goes on to say how God created uh, light and land and water and plants and night and day and animals. And he finishes by creating man and woman. 
We believe as, as Christians that it is God who created all. He created us and all we see. However, that view is highly contested. And maybe today you would respond to a claim that God created everything with doubts, with questions, maybe even dismay that people in 2021 could still believe that. You know, people like Richard Dawkins, they've been very vocal and made a lot of money trying to prove that God does not exist, that all we see is a result of a big explosion. And in arguing that, uh, that they are right in their views, they've almost, they, they claim that you know, no one in their right mind could ever believe anything that Christianity presents. That science leads us to one conclusion, that we came into existence because of pure chance. That to believe in God means throwing out your intellect ignoring the evidence, rejecting science, and choosing faith. However, I don't believe that's what we're called to do. Yes, following Jesus requires faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Whatever your view is today, whether you believe in God or not, we have all come to a decision using a measure of faith. If you believe in God, it requires faith to believe who he says he is in the Bible. But to be an atheist, to believe there is no God, is a belief system. Believing that the universe exists by chance. Believing that nothing exists beyond this life. That humans are the ultimate judge of all things. That there is no final moral reckoning. These things all demand a measure of faith. We come to God through faith in Jesus. But that doesn't mean in that moment, because of our faith, we have to ignore difficult questions. We don't have to remove our intellect. We don't have to blindly believe, ignoring everything science says. And to help us understand that a little more, I want to do something a little bit different today. Um, I want to introduce you to someone who has been doing some of the hard work, grappling with some of these questions of faith and science. Um, uh, we're going to a moment, I'm going to introduce you to Dave Drennan, um, who doesn't come with all the answers, <laughs> but he's going to be sharing a little bit about his journey, and then I'm going to come back later on and share some thoughts about what it would mean if the Bible is true and God is the creator, which is what I believe. So Dave, would you give Dave a welcome? Okay, good. So, creation, accident or design? Uh, welcome to those people up in the royal box there. Great to see you all. So, as a mechanical engineer and latterly uh, working with RFID, QR codes and barcodes, through my life I've always been involved with technical aspects, formulas and technical issues. And a while ago, while speaking to a friend, she explained that she couldn't accept Christianity or any form of God, but she'd worked in a physical and a technical world, and she couldn't see how God would fit in that. So this made me think how I could reach her and others who doubt the Christian viewpoint, especially the formation of the earth and our purpose here. So this added, I've looked at the evidence, not through Christian eyes, but through scientific eyes, and see, you know, if I could see her point. And it's been a really interesting journey. And these, these are some of the results of what I've found. 
So please feel free to check out the facts. If I've got anything wrong, please come back to me. I do not want to mislead any, any, anybody. So please do come back to me. So in the next 10 minutes, I want us to look at creation and specifically the Big Bang Theory and the wonder that is our planet Earth. One article I read describes science as a natural phenomenon and religion as a supernatural phenomenon. So remembering that, let's start at the very beginning, the formation of the universe. It's an incredible place to start, whatever your belief is. But what's the scientific evidence? Well, the creation of the universe has a number of theories tied to it, from the universe being there forever, through to negative and positive universes, uh, the, uni the, the Big Bang happening everywhere, the Big Bang happening in one small spot. But the one theory that's widely supported, it's backed by most astrophysicists, as well as people like NASA and National Geographic, so let's just focus on that. And the name of that theory, as you may have guessed, is the Big Bang. The Big Bang Theory uh, was first theorized in 1927 by Georges-Henri uh, Lemaitre, who was actually a Belgian Catholic priest, and he remained a Catholic priest until he actually died. But so the base of this theory is that from one minuscule point, a huge explosion started the universe, which has uh, continued to expand for the last 14 billion years. That is the theory. And through this time, scientists claim that the universe has grown to a size of approximately 98, 93 billion light years in diameter. So that's a, a massive amount of expansion in a relatively short time. So that means that from the Big Bang point in space, the universe has traveled in all directions by 46.5 billion light years. Now, if you look at that, the speed of expansion works out at, there's going to be a lot of zeros here, 626,000 miles per second. That's how long the universe has been expanding uh, for the last 13.8 billion years. So this means that the universe has expanded by that amount, yet one of the world's greatest ever scientists, uh, Albert Einstein, said that nothing can travel faster than light. So how does that kind of compare with the matter actually flying out at three times the speed of light? So to gain an explanation, I went to NASA, you know, probably the biggest uh, authority in the world at the current time for scientific information. And the explanation that they came back gave me three possible explanations, not one, but three possible explanations. Um, one of the main explanations, which is covered quite a bit on other websites, claims that, that as space is expanding at a fast rate and the matter is, is kind of expanding at the same kind of uh, incredible rate, that it's just kind of that's how they can get over the, this light travel, uh, sorry, the, the universe traveling at three times the speed of light. But space is eternal, and so it's got to be determined by how big our universe is at any one time. And also, how can space, which is a vacuum, expand? So the 93 billion light years expansion in 13.8 billion years still remains unanswered. And there are hundreds of theories out there when you go onto the internet. Therefore, 
science becomes not natural, but supernatural. So let's now look at our solar system. Our solar system, have you ever wondered why we failed to find any life on, our, on any other planets? Yet ours is designed to sustain us, sustain us and to meet our most basic everyday needs. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Could it just be a coincidence, accident or design? Around 93 million miles from the blistering 6,000 degree centigrade surface of the sun hangs our tiny planet Earth. The Earth, incidentally, if we take the whole of the solar system and join it together, the Earth is less than one millionth the, the volume of the whole solar system. Just one millionth. It, it's a rotating sphere, it's perfectly suspended in the universe, and the size, position, and angle of the Earth is a scientific phenomenon. Any close to the sun, and we burn up, any further away, and we would freeze. The combination of gases on the Earth, of nitrogen and oxygen, is the exact mix that we need to prosper. It doesn't happen on any other planet that we're aware of. Consider also the amazing tilt of the axis of the Earth. No other planets are tilted uh, like ours at a perfect 23.5 degrees. This angle allows the sun's rays to, rays to touch every part of Earth's surface over the course of a year as the Earth circles the sun. If there was no tilt to the axis, the poles would freeze up and the equator would not be livable, so life probably wouldn't even exist. And also, the axis of the Earth makes it possible for the food chain to exist and also gives us our beautiful seasons, autumn and spring. The perfectly placed and size of the moon controls the tides, it cleans the oceans, the waves don't crash in vain, the tides drag impurities into the depths, it's nature's own recycling chain, although we are trying to break that at the present time, I, I, I do admit. This size also is really important, it's perfect. If the earth was 10% larger, 10% smaller, we wouldn't be here. That's due to the increased gravity if the Earth was just 10% larger. If we were 10% smaller, then the magnetic field would not work, and that holds our atmosphere together. So the sun would have stripped away all our atmosphere, all our livable gases, and we wouldn't be here at the present time. That's happened to the planet Mercury. Now, interestingly, a number of educators and scientists around the world, whether they believe in a God or say that the Bible's account of creation align with the Big Bang Theory, but it points us back to the truth of these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The subject becomes clearer if we rephrase the whole thing again as accident or design. Evolutionist and the atheist uh, Stephen Hawking, who was one of uh, science's probably uh, most uh, respected uh, people since probably Einstein, he, he, he made this statement, he said, the universe and the laws of physics seem to have been specifically designed for us. If any one of about 40 physical qualities had more than slightly different values, life as we know now would not exist. That's incredible, coming from Stephen Hawkins, who's, you know, the world, one of the leads, well, he was one of the world's leading atheists. 
Interesting, the first thing God tells in the Bible is that he created all things and that he controls all things. Now consider these three quotes from these three uh, magazines. Uh, most, most cosmologists, those are scientists who study the universe, agree that the Genesis account of creation in imagining an initial void may be uncannily close to the truth. That was in Time magazine. Next one, the, this is from uh, Jim Holt, who's a science writer for the Wall Street Journal. The universe suddenly exploded into being. The Big Bang bears an uncanny resemblance to the Genesis command. And lastly, um, from, this is from US News and World Report. Um, it says that uh, revelations about supernovas, black holes, quarks, and the Big Bang even suggest to some scientists that there is a grand design in the universe. As I started this, to put this together, I, I was watching a series by Brian Cox uh, called The Planets, and it's a fantastic series. You should all watch it. And he said in that, it does seem quite contrived, almost fantastical. I love that word, fantastical. Uh, but the more we learn about the formation of the solar system, the more we try to model a system like ours with four terrestrial water-rich planets close to a star and the gas giants further out, the more we learn that perhaps for all things uh, to happen is unlikely. So places like this may be extremely rare. That's an, an amazing statement. And that's in uh, Brian Cox, The Planets, if you're watching it, episode three, about 36 minutes in. So from that, we can see that if God created the universe, he must be almighty and vast. I mean, we've seen you know, that picture of the universe, 93 billion light years wide. It could well be that, you know, but God has created it. Um, you know, but God is vast. He's amazingly bigger than the universe itself, not bound by science or by natural rules and law. In Psalm 33, uh, verses 6, it said, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. God breathed out the universe. That shows you how big our God is. So there's the evidence, not from Christians, but from scientists and from atheists. And I said at the start, it's seen, it, science is seen as a natural phenomenon and religion as a supernatural phenomenon. But perhaps with the information that I've shared with you today, that creation was a supernatural process and it was from a universal and a mighty God. If you've got any questions uh, after, you know, come and see me uh, or just drop me uh, a line at uh, the Crossline address, which is www.crossline.org.uk and just uh, send me an email and I'll try to get back to you. Okay, thanks for your time. Whose minds are? <laughs> See why I didn't do that. <laughs> but you know, what, what, hopefully, what's clear there is that to believe in anything demands a degree of faith. The understanding and, and actually understanding what the science says and understanding that and, and engaging your intellect can actually lead you closer to God and not push you away. How did it all begin? Why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there chaos rather than order? 
Genesis says in the beginning, God. The Bible begins with God. It, it's very simple. It doesn't try and convince us that God exists. It doesn't feel it has to. It simply informs us that in the beginning, God. There was nothing before God. There was nothing rivaling God. There was God. Then throughout the pages of Scripture, there is this story of God revealing himself to his people. Sometimes we can boil Christianity and following Jesus to adding something to our lives. God becomes an add-on. But adding God to our lives was never an option. God was there in the beginning. We see him encounter Moses in Exodus 3. And Moses asks God what is his name. And he replies to him, I am who I am. No explanation needed. There has only ever been one God. He wasn't created by anything or anyone. And this is really important as we focus on God being creator because it means that God has control and authority. He can do whatever he likes. He is the only source of creation and therefore he is in control and he is sovereign. We sung it at the start, he gives, he takes away. He is in control. The option of whether we choose to submit to him or walk away, that is the option we have. But even if we do walk away, it doesn't stop him having authority over everything, including us. And so as we approach scripture, we don't pick and choose what we like. God has spoken. He has authority. We don't need to try and excuse him. We simply choose whether we submit to him. Genesis 1 tells us that there was no one before God. And then we see God create Genesis 1 verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. If you want to know the authority God has, then read those verses. God spoke and there was light. The earth was formless and void and then God spoke. And Genesis 1 tells us 10 times God said and then it informs us as a result, it was so. There's no struggle and exertion. There's no sweat and hard work to create the world. He decides, he speaks, it is. And for those initial hearers of those words, that is in stark contrast to other stories of creation. And there was a number of stories of creation at the time. There were stories of God's striving to make it happen. There were battles and fights to bring creation into existence. For example, the, the ancient Mesopotamians, they believed that there was an epic battle between two gods, uh, Apsu and Tiamat. They go to war with each other. And, and the final part of the creation story is Tiamat's husband is killed and the body is used to create the earth and the blood is used to create mankind. Can you see how these stories are so different about the, from the one we read in Genesis? For our God, creation was easy and without conflict. God decided and it happens. The writer of Psalm 115 captures it in verse 3. God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. And so we read about this incredible creation that God has made. We read about light and the sky and land and plants and animals and mankind. And as I've said, God doesn't try and persuade you that he exists. But I think in creation, he gives us a fa fairly compelling argument that he does, as David shared. Creation declares the beauty of God. Whether that is an incredible animal, a beautiful sunrise, a newborn baby, creation is designed to make us marvel at the creator, to point us to God. Psalm 119.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hand. 
Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so people are without excuse. God doesn't argue his existence, but the passage tells us that in creation we see God for who he is. I wonder what are those pizza of creation that make you marvel in awe. For me, watching the, the sea crash onto the beach, uh, watching, uh, listening to a beautiful piece of music, watching Roger T- Federer hit a tennis ball. There are moments where I'm like, I cannot simply believe that we are created by chance. Think about the stars that Dave shared about. Think about how the fact that he said, don't miss that. If, the, if we were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up any further away and we'd freeze. When you think about all that is created, when you think about the, the galaxies and the, the, our, our local group that we're part of and the, super, uh, the Virgo supercluster, you think of all these thousands and thousands of galaxies, all that God made. And in Genesis 1, he says, he also made the stars. That is our creator. God begins with a mighty declaration. God is God and we are not. God is the creator and we are the creatures. That's the big picture. But then every day we are reminded that God doesn't walk away from his creation. He doesn't leave us to it, but he is deeply involved. Every day he causes the sun to rise. This morning I woke up because God sustained me through the night. Every breath I take is because God allows it. Yes, he performs miracles. We want to see more of those, but he also performs the mundane. He creates, but then he sustains and he upholds all things. Isaiah 40, 26 says, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one, and he calls each forth by name. And because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Everything in creation points to God. We are made in his image so that God would be glorified. We are made to reflect our creator. And the problem was that Adam and Eve onwards, being in the image of God was never enough. We strive to be God. We see this in the Garden of Eden when the the serpent comes to tempt Eve. And what does he offer her? He offers her to become God. He says to him, verse 4, you certainly will not die. This is in Genesis 3. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The image of the creator was no longer enough. No longer submitting to God's rule, but being in control. And every one of us since that point has chosen to reject God's rule. But then it says in 1 Colossians at Colossians 1, 15 to 20, this talks about Jesus, and it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the first morn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
Jesus was there in the beginning. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus created the world with a plan to redeem it. The plan was that Jesus would save the world, that he would bring freedom. This was already planned way before God said, let there be light. Jesus' plan was that we would need him to save us. And through his action, we would worship him and he would be glorified. I don't have all the answers. I wish I could explain it. But sometimes we just have to say, we just don't know. I don't know why God planned to create the earth with a plan to redeem it. But the Bible tells me that is the way it is. Revelation 13, 8 says that Jesus was slain from the creation of the world. That means that it was always intended that Jesus would die for us. We have to live with that tension. that We don't have all the answers But we must choose to worship Jesus who created everything with a plan to save it all. The story of creation is all about Jesus. We are made in the image of God, but Jesus is God. Jesus comes to reveal God. It is all for his glory. All of creation, every plant and every animal, every sunset and every sunrise, every man and every woman are created to glorify God. If you want to know how something works best, you need to go to the one who made it. If you want to understand how humans work and flourish best, then we need to look to God, the creator, choosing to follow him, to live the life he calls us to, not to be distracted by the culture around us, not to be distracted by the dominant thoughts of the day, but to be fixed on God, on his word, and following the ways of Jesus. And as we do that, We reflect the image of our God to those around us. And in that, as we reflect the image of God, he will be glorified in and through us. I wonder what picture of God you have today. He is almighty creator. Created all things and yet meets with each of us. Sustains us daily, made us in his image. He doesn't leave us to it, but he empowers us. He says, I'm going to fill you afresh with the Spirit so you can live this out. So when people see us walking around this city, when people see us in our homes with our family, when they see us with our friends, when we're in the workplace or walking on the street, people would see the image of God. What a responsibility. Yet he says, I'm going to empower you with the Spirit. You don't have to strive. You don't have to work hard. You're adopted and you are sons and daughters of the king. And I give you everything so you can live this life out. The way this city will be changed, the way this region will be changed, is believers confidently stepping out in the image of Christ, living the ways of Jesus. People would see us and say, there must be a God. Would you stand with me? Yes, Father, we thank you that you chose to create us. We thank you for all we see. We thank you that each of us here, not one of us are an accident. You are creator. You don't make mistakes. I thank you, you don't make mistakes. That we are here in this room because you ordained us to live. We woke up this morning because you allowed us to live. 
We have been added into this family because you chose. Lord, we want to submit to your rule afresh, recognizing that you created us and you know the best way for us to live. We flourish and we thrive by living the way you always intended us to. And Lord, I pray we would fix our eyes afresh on the creator today. Looking to you. Looking to you for the way to live. Reflecting your image to those around us. Would we leave this morning with a fresh confidence that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you have a plan for us to live out, to show your image to those around us, to our city, to our region, and to the nation. Would you come and speak your identity afresh over us as we worship you, Lord? Mm -hmm.